So in today's episode, we have Matthew. He's a student in Upper Sixth. He's also directing the junior year's production of Animal Farm. So let's get into it. Welcome back to Whitgift Conversations, the podcast where we talk to staff and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. Come with us as we get into this episode right now. Matthew, thank you for being here and welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm very good. I'm very good. Thank you for having me on. It's great to talk to you. Uh, Now, we're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, Are you missing a lesson right now? I'm missing a supervised study. Where that falls on the spectrum, I'm not entirely sure, but... uh... (laughs) Okay, well, well, I appreciate you being here. We won't take up much of your time. You'll be you'll be able to jump back straight to it because I appreciate that being in upper sixth, uh, especially we're recording this in January. I mean, this is this is twenty twenty four. It's going to be a busy year for you and a oh, year God, of change yeah. as well. It's already it's already a busy year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can imagine. I can imagine. Okay, right. So let's jump straight into it. So you're you're directing the junior year's production of of Animal Farm. Is this the George Orwell version of Animal Farm? So it's definitely based off a George Orwell version of Animal Farm, but the script is by uh, Tatty Hennessy. Uh, so a couple of um, key differences, obviously, as there are for any kind of stage adaptation. But I think one of the, um, the main differences in the Tatty Hennessy scripts is that the animals all look as human as possible. And uh, the humans, uh, well, it's up to interpretation. They have to look monstrous. So we've kind of gone for like a, um, a, a kind of Cronenberg-esque approach. We've got them with like inflated kind of like limbs like I, we're, we're going to have give farmer pilkington like completely normal proportions other than his right arm which is going to be absolutely massive like some kind of borderlands enemy excellent i love it uh, I, I very much love it actually this sounds like it's going to be absolutely brilliant tell me how you how you landed yourself in this position of being the director of the junior years production i've always really wanted to be a director um i think like the creative control that directors have over their projects is just unmatched anywhere in the entertainment industry. So um, when I found out that Oscar last year was uh, doing Swallows and Amazons, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I've got to do that. Um, and then Mr. Hammond opened the applications at the end of the year and uh, mine got selected. I think I was, I think I might've been the only one because uh, the, the only other people interested were doing IB. So obviously they would have exams around this time. So yeah, I, I Still, I got the job, so I can't complain. So you're doing A-levels then at the moment. Tell us which A-levels you're studying right now. So I'm doing history, English, and uh, classical civilizations. Okay. And uh, which of those would you say is your favorite? Classive. Classive, easily. Um, okay. I want to take that to university. Cause I, I love Greek mythology, um, especially Greek tragedy, stuff like Medea, the Persians, um, Ajax. Really love it. And actually, also, as well as um, my A-levels, I made a, uh, a movie for my APQ. I made a wow. zombie movie. Tell me more. What kind of movie did you make? It's a, it's a, it's a zombie movie called 10 Days. And uh, over the summer with my friends, we shot it in the, uh, the woods near my park. Sorry, the, the, the woods near my house. <laughs> <laughs> the woods near your park. I love it. Um, okay, so 10 Days. Is that like a play on 28 Days Later or anything like that? 28 Days Later was very much one of my biggest inspirations, but I called it 10 Days because that's the time it takes after like the initial outbreak because my, my rationale was like, you see so many zombie movies that show like that original day of um, infection. And then you see so many that are set like years in the future, but there's then that like gray area where like everyone kind of knows that there's been an apocalypse, but no one's very familiar with the rules. Some people take a lot more time to adapt and that's kind of the, uh, the setting for my film. Reminds me of the early days of COVID, but probably best we don't go there. Actually, let's take it back to Animal Farm for a second. Tell me what your vision was for this production. 
So what I wanted to do is obviously Animal Farm is a pretty hard hitting production. It's got some really mature themes in it and I really wanted to accentuate them and create something that would not, wouldn't just appeal to like the typical audience you'd see at a junior play, but would also really inspire um, A-level and GCSE history students because uh, I think one of the biggest reasons I chose Animal Farm out of the list of plays I had on offer was because it was so similar to what I'd been doing in history that year. We'd studied um, Russia from Lenin to um, Gorbachev, and it's just looking at like the uh, the mirroring of the events of Stalin's rise in Animal Farm. Orwell just got it absolutely spot on, and it's such a and as well, it's just such a great universal allegory for the communist states that you study in that course. So I wanted to give it a real broader appeal, not just to like people who would come see lower year plays, but maybe like persuade some of the um, A level history students and GCSE because. History is one of the most popular subjects in the school, so I'd really like to appeal to that wider audience and kind of give them mature themes to work with and enjoy. So it's great then that you're trying to span that bridge between junior years and some of the older students in school there as well. How do you think it would be different if it was just the older students that were doing this and, and it wasn't including junior years at all? Immediately, we'd have to cut out less swearing from the script. And I think we'd probably be able to... Uh, have a bit more um, bare-bones presentation on some of the much more darker scenes like uh, Clara's execution. In, in this sense, we had, to, we had to censor them a bit, but like when I was like reading the script, I kind of like had kind of a, oh yeah, maybe we can do like a really dramatic, slow drawing out, and then we found out actually we might, might be a better idea to censor. And it's no less effective is what I found actually. It's just um, there, there are a couple of scenes in Animal Farm that kind of cross that boundary between Too Dark that we had to cut down a bit. Interesting that you say just as effective with, um, with, with that censorship there. I mean, it's interesting that, that sometimes when you watch movies on TV, then it, it almost feels like there's a, a draw to sensationalized movies, whereas actually what you're talking about here is that movies or, or productions can be just as effective if you don't include the, 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 the graphic disgustingness. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, I think with a lot of horror films, they're so much scarier if they you know don't show the monster or so much of like the the terror is implied it's it's much more effective than just having like a big man in a big mask with a big axe running around tell me about the rehearsal process then i mean what, what's that actually like and i mean how does it look as a rehearsal itself but also what's it like for you as a director so as a rehearsal itself we uh we gather all the cast in a drama studio or whatever room is big enough hopefully really soon we'll we'll be having priority of the pac so we can really kind of spread our wings and get on the set and really um nail down the blocking but as such we normally gather the cast in a whatever room is available we do a quick warm-up and then we just crack on with the scene and i um I like to um, I like to just take a slightly hands-off approach for the first kind of time they try a scene before then I leap in and kind of pick it apart a bit because I think it's really a lot of the time they'll come up with ideas that I just think oh yeah that's that's really good I'm just going to leave that in but also I think it's really important that they can like get into their rhythm before I start picking it apart unless we're really pressed for time as a director it's um, obviously it's just so much fun um, I get I get to go in I get to um, I get to mold. I get to mold them to my vision. Gives you a, a nice sense of power. But yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about leaving them alone to start off with. I, I remember hearing about in the movie Ocean's Eleven with Matt Damon and 
uh, George Clooney and various other people. There's one scene where they're all uh, positioned around a, a large TV screen and they're, and they're learning from George Clooney and Brad Pitt how the heist is actually going to work. And the director told all of the cast members just to go and find their own space where they felt as a character it would be suitable for them to sit or perch or stand and how close they are to the front or how far they are away from the front towards the back. And, and Matt Damon's character, he, he he very much went to the back because he was less confident. And it was interesting, the director just leaving it to the cast members to work out where they felt it should be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, actors are actors for a reason. Sometimes they'll just know better. Sometimes they've read the script. They've performed the lines 100,000 times. A lot of the time they're going to have a more intrinsic know-how of the character than anyone. So it's just best for them to let them play it. So tell me then how you get that balance between the two, because you're, you're absolutely right. You know, actors are actors for a reason. But at the same time, the, the children that you're directing here, that they're not, it's not like they're full-time professional actors, at least not yet. Well, I get that balance between just kind of letting them, um, letting them find the character themselves. Like I said, just by letting a scene play out and see how they believe the character would react. And there are some times, admittedly, where they do get it slightly wrong and I do have to step in. But, and, but the thing is, whenever they do hit that, um, that perfect balance on their own, I, I really try and draw attention to it. Like I'll, I'll, at, the, at the end, I'll, I'll just say, by the way, you did that really well. Keep doing it. Uh, because not only does it kind of give them the confidence, but it also puts everyone else's eyes on them to think, oh yeah, I, I'll pay attention to what they're doing next time, see if I can uh, emulate that energy. Good point. I, li I like the way you put that. Uh, and then you mentioned that they have a warm-up. Uh, I, I imagine that that's to kind of uh, slide them into their character as opposed to, you know, if they've just come from a, a fairly hardcore math lesson or a geography lesson, then I imagine it's, it's, it's a good thing to do. Is that right? Warm-ups uh, warm here, as I do it, uh, or as how I've kind of learned from Mr. Hammond, are less about getting into character, more just like just relieving themselves and getting their energy back up because school, the school day, no matter where you are is in, in the school, is still going to wear on you. So just like getting them to make some silly noises or getting them to, um, or getting them to just play like a quick game of like splat or uh, zip zap boing, as Mr. Hammond's taught me. Uh, the, it's less about getting the character, more just kind of getting them into the acting mindset first. I find once this, I find once we kind of, once we've kind of set them up, they've got a pretty good understanding of the characters. Mm -hmm. That sounds like it for sure. So tell me about any challenges you've come across the well, during this production and, and how you've overcome those challenges too. One of the biggest challenges we had was the windmill. Uh, so obviously throughout the play, the animals build this windmill. It starts off as kind of a symbol of hope. And by the end, it's this like symbol of Napoleon's tyranny and dominance. And uh, it was very hard coming up with an idea because initially I, I hadn't considered it. <laughs> I, 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 this, this was kind of like a problem with my early mindset as a director. I was like, oh, yes, and, and that'll be there. And then I, I didn't think so much about how we'd actually going to get it. Uh, but then, and then I thought about it and I was like, okay, yeah, we'll do this kind of like stylistic interpretation where it's like blocks that can be built up. Cause I wanted the windmill to be constructible and destructible throughout the play because it gets destroyed very, very often. But, um, it, but, uh, and then I got the first design for that back and I was like, oh God, that looks awful. What have I done? So we had like, uh, a, a meeting with the AV guys came up with a better idea uh, the windmill went through kind of a lot of design process in my head, but I think like once we got the idea that we went with, it was really very easy. 
And I guess extending off that, one of the biggest challenges was just kind of me comprehending exactly what needs to go into a scene. Like there are times when I like, I'd like unintentionally hyper-focus on like one aspect and then like Miss Aluko, who's my amazing assistant director, will just kind of chum in and say like, uh, Matthew, you, uh, you forgot to tell them where to block for this scene. And I'm like, oh, oh, yes, yes. Go back, go back. We need to do this. So tell me more then about, about that. You, know, you, you mentioned the assistant director just then. You mentioned the AV guys as well. What's it like working alongside these people and how do you interact with them? It's absolutely brilliant. They're all incredible. So the AV guys lent me a camera for my um, my movie that I was just saying earlier. And um, I've got along pretty well with them uh, over the last couple of years. So they've been really great to work with. They're just an absolute wealth of knowledge. And it shocked me just how much they were, they were, they were just able to do. Like I, I, I was kind of tentative of suggesting things at first. And, and, and then like I kind of put a thing out there and, and one of them would go, Matthew, I get the sense that you're holding back, but like, we can do that. Just, just, just say it outright. And yeah, they are, they're truly an exceptional team. I'm really, really happy to work with them. And Miss Luco is just a fantastic student director. Her organizational skills are just beyond me. It's, um, the, the, the production would definitely fall apart without her there. Mm-hmm. No, got it, got it. So then you mentioned about getting into the PAC. I mean, how long will it be until you get in there? So uh, Sunday's rehearsal is going to be our first in the PAC. With luck, we'll have most of the set built by then. Um, so I've been having meetings probably a couple times a month with the AV guys just planning that. Miss Aluko comes to every rehearsal, and I've also got a drama teacher, Miss Waddell, supervising some of my rehearsals, and she's choreographed a lot of the fight scenes. Uh, with the set, we've... It's, it's very hard getting a slot in the PAC because every school play wants to have it and so many rooms are booked up at one time. But now that we're the closest, we get automatic priority for it. So we or hopefully 90% of our rehearsals going forward will be in the PAC. That's going to make a big difference to you then, isn't it? That's going it? to make a massive difference because I feel like we've been both limited and spoiled with the settings we've had because our stage is not the typical end on you'd exp- you you'd kind of see in a lot of productions but the places we've re- we've rehearsed in have kind of i feel given some of the cast that impression until more recently when we've when we've kind of said okay you can't do this now you can't just go off the side i think once we get in the PAC the blocking is going to be much much easier for everyone and what would you say you've enjoyed most so far in this in this whole experience i mentioned it earlier but just the complete creative control I have, like aside from the script, which obviously there are there are like parts I just have to follow, just like looking at a scene and thinking, this scene can go exactly how I want. I can do I can do anything with this, and it's so fun trying to one up myself. I think because like I I look back I I was looking back on some of this uh, when we were kind of going over scenes again recently. I was looking back and thinking. I could have done that a bit more creatively. I'm gonna up the ante a bit. I'm gonna check. I'm gonna change something up. We recently redid the entire opening, and um, we made the animal commandment scene into a more like ritualistic dance. And uh, we've, we're taking steps to kind of use levels and um, m- and much more synchronized movements to shake up the meeting scenes. I love that. I really do. It sounds awesome. And then, how much of your time will this be taking up between now and the production itself? Yeah, good amount of time. Um, Obviously, we've got five-hour rehearsals every Sunday from now up until the production. 
uh, obviously the week of production, I'm going to be staying late at school Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, we still don't stay too late at school for, re for rehearsals during weekdays because obviously uh, the lower years rely a lot on the, on the school bus, which leaves at 5.30. So we've got to finish around 5, 5.15 so they can catch that. But um, there's also just a lot of like meetings, uh, organizing props. Uh, I've got to write my director's two weeks notice and then I've got to write my director's 10, 10 days notice. So it's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot to do. Gosh, it does sound like there's, there's a lot to do for sure. But if I, if I was a parent right now, or some of the parents listening to this right now might be thinking, well, hold on a minute, you know, Matthew's involved in all of this. How does that affect his, his A-level studies? Um, how do you get that balance right? It's a careful balance to, um, it's a careful balance to make. It's just kind of like looking at your old routine and just deciding, okay, this is a, this is a sacrifice I kind of need to make. And, but I think equally, it's also about like keeping just some some stuff that kind of keeps you going. Like for example, Friday nights after dinner, I just like to take completely off. Me and my friend Lucas will just play games, League of Legends, Soulsborne, stuff like that. Just take the time to really decompress after the week. And I've been doing that with him since um, year eleven, and it got me through GCSEs. It got me through a lot of mocks last year. It's it's just keeping those little things, but also looking at like unnecessary stuff and just knowing what can, what has to go on the chopping block. And like more recently, quite a lot has had to go on the chopping block. I've been really making an effort to like use all of my free periods and studies to the maximum potential. So I'm either doing something related to Animal Farm or related to um, revision. So I know that what I do then will help me in the future. And I, and I guess as well, it's going to be the obvious areas in your life that, that may well get cut that they the kind of doom scrolling that we might do on social media where you simply just don't have time for it. And actually it's no bad thing to cut that out. And in fact, in many ways, it's a, it's a very, very positive thing to cut that out. Um, okay. One, we're coming to the end of this now, but I, cause I'm keeping an eye here on time, but tell me why someone should come and watch animal farm. I think someone should come and watch animal farm because amongst like young actors, it's a real shame that they kind of often get cast in the kind of like typical plays when a lot of schools kind of just kind of go from the same book when it comes to play, when it comes to shows that they cast their younger actors in. But I think Animal Farm is a very significant departure. It trusts a lot of like nuance and maturity in its young cast. And I think the cast have taken to that brilliantly. But I also, and I, and I think that this should be shared to as many people as possible. People should come and see just how well and just how effectively young actors can pull off mature and nuanced material if they're given the chance. Very good. Great answer there, Matthew. Great answer. Uh, now, before we leave, you mentioned about Greek mythology at the start of this podcast recording. Tell us a little bit about what you're planning on doing next year. Next year. So um, I've got offers uh, from Warwick, Warwick and Reading and Leeds University. I'm currently deciding which of Reading and Leeds will be my backup choice, but hopefully uh, going to um, going to one of those unis, Warwick top choice, and um, doing their classical studies course where I'm planning to focus on Greek literature, Homeric epics, Greek tragedies, that sort of thing. And uh, with the optional, with the, uh, the kind of free modules they offer that can be applied to any subject, I'm hoping to uh, look at something related to film. So keep a kind of um, 
keep a kind of varied outlook in that. I, I love that. And I'm sure you'll do very well at that. So best of luck to you. But uh, also best of luck to the production of Animal Farm. Um, and it's been great talking to you, Matthew. I really, really appreciate your time, especially given this busy time of year, especially leading up to the production. But in the meantime, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much. Yeah. That's it for this episode. We appreciate you being here. For more information, please do get in touch through the website, witgift.co.uk. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. Bye for now.